recording. Mm-hmm. That voice, man, that's deep. No recording. I need to grab some water. Can I get you anything from I've very got, far away? I've got some beer water, so. Ew, what's that? <laughs> you mean just beer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Watered down beer. It's a it took me a second. Light, so. I remember that we used to say that while very drunk playing League <laughs> of Legends, which is the best way to play League of Legends, if I'm being is completely it beer honest. water or liquor water? Oh, uh, both. I remember. I remember you being water. very drunk on your twenty-first birthday, yelling at me about vodka water, though. No, no that was your twenty-first. I think that was a different day. That was when uh, Dave was trying to get me to drink water after Adam was over, and we were all, or at least Adam and I, were drinking heavily. <laughs> or maybe it was just me. I don't know. Well, uh, before we go into more stories about you throwing up all over my basement, uh, who are you? And uh, <laughs> welcome to to this podcast. I, today with me, I have Jordan, one of the co-hosts of Aiming for Mediocrity. If you listen to any of our other podcasts, uh, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for throwing up all over my basement for all those years. It's wonderful. Oh, I don't know if I've ever actually thrown up in your basement. I've I don't think you places. have. I don't think <laughs> in my house you've thrown up. You throw up in the toilets. You had, you were pretty good yeah. about that I when mean, we were missed- binge drinking. You missed my, or yeah, New Year's this year. I threw up all over myself. You know, it was bound to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I everyone has to do it uh, at least once in the mo- millennium, no century, decade, decade yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Ten years, okay, that's the math. Uh, in in my wife's case, she's thrown up on herself and on me, and somehow convinced me I did it. I remember that story. Yeah, uh, it's 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 very wonderful thing. But we're not here to talk about me or my wife puking. We're here to talk about you. Uh, this is Persons of No Consequence, the only show on the internet that talks about the people that aren't famous. So <laughs> essentially, the idea behind the podcast is that we get the people who do not have a Wikipedia page, who do not have a claim to fame, and we come together and hear their stories. So Jordan, I want you to tell me a story. A story? Like, is there... What what type of uh, context are we looking for? <laughs> well, I think today I, I texted you earlier and I said, hey, what are your do's and don'ts? And you said anything will fly. And I asked if I could talk about the time you had sex with the dog. And you said, yes, we can talk about that. But I changed my mind. So actually, we're going to put that on the back burner. We'll save that for a different podcast. Uh huh. <laughs> so, so I do. I want to talk about your general life. You have an interesting career. You are in data security. And internet security, which is strange to say without like the NSA like tapping and listening. Like, <laughs> are they listening? You would be able to tell me. You're my security guy, so they're they're always listening. <laughs> your phone, your computer, your 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 tablet, <laughs> your Nintendo switches. Okay. They're, they're the switch? all inside. They're inside. The Does the switch have a built-in microphone? I don't think so. I've never because I know my Vita. My Vita is always listening. Good thing Vita's dead, right? Vita doesn't mean life. Vita means sad. Uh, yeah. so I, I don't think anyone's listening to that, but I do have my Switch next to me. I'm curious if that's recording. I don't think so. I don't think they have a microphone. But so you yeah. have you have one of the most interesting career paths I think I've ever seen. Out of the people that I know, in real life at least. Uh, when I first met you, you were hoping to go to recording school. You were going to be an audio engineer. Mm-hmm. And now you are a very high-level network security person. <laughs> high-level is, uh, uh, I would say, a little bit too high for me. 
Okay, I'm, I'm not saying like you're the top level. level. Okay, I'm sorry, mid level. I'm, I'm not saying you're top of the NSA, but let's see. Okay, give me the most advanced jargon you can. Give me a string of words, and I'll tell you if I know what they mean. Uh, IP config. Yeah, I see. I'm already lost. So I would say that's high level. I know what my I know an IP address is, and I know the word configuration. But uh, when you combine those two, I'm just lost. So yeah, <laughs> working so, yeah. in network security is more um, the specifics of where I am. So I I do a lot of troubleshooting and uh, resolving of issues. So break fix type type stuff more so than the uh, maintaining and uh, keeping the higher level security aspects of um, different organizations uh, in check. So, so it is less like the organizational aspects and more, hey, the, our system is down. It says everyone can see our IP address. We're being doxxed. Can you help me? That's, yeah. that's You get the call for that? Yep, I get that call. I, I try to bring up the network. I figure out why it's down or why they can't access something. That's more my... Uh, specific level of um, support. So if I was watching Jurassic Park and the scene came on with Samuel Jackson and he goes, ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Who are you in that situation? Are you more Samuel Jackson or are you more the hacker guy? Like, where are your skills at? Um, I would say I'm on the Samuel L. Jackson level <laughs> or like the guy that would say, okay, you, you need to reset your password. That's why you can't get in. <laughs> Is that the coolest way anyone's ever described your job? Like uh, Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson type. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never been compared to Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I would never compare you to, to Samuel Jackson. There is no comparison, sir. I'm sorry. Have you seen Die Hard with the Vengeance? It's amazing. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> you're more. You're more like. You're more like <laughs> Justin Long's character from Die Hard Four. <laughs> or Justin Long's character in any role that he's played. <laughs> any character. Oh, uh, except for Accepted. He was awesome in that. Sorry, you can't compare to that. My and favorite. also, Zach and Mary make a porno. My favorite Justin Long role would be Sasquatch Gang. Oh, okay. That movie is awful, but he is awesome in it. I With love the that movie. Tattooed eyes when he closes his eyes. Yeah, he's that uh, backwoods mullet wearing type character. Uh, Justin Boy. Long is a national treasure. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like I said, I would compare you more to Ju Justin Long from Die Hard Four. Uh, than Samuel Jackson, sorry to say. So network security. So what is the journey from being an audio technician or engineer all the way to being a network engineer, essentially? Like, how, how do you how do you make that leap when you're like, hey, I'm going to make sure bands sound good to, hey, I'm going to make sure none of these businesses get hacked? <laughs> well, it, it starts out more... Uh... I was at a community college for just general education stuff. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I Can you do anything specific at a community college? Isn't it all just general education? I mean, I guess the most specific you can get is like liberal arts <laughs> degrees. And that's not very specific because there's a lot that comes with liberal arts. Not in community college. We both went to community college. Oh, yeah. they're, they're wonderful institutions. I just when when people say like, well, I went and got my degree and and you go, oh, what was it in? Like, what do you mean? It was a community college. I got my degree. It just says degree with a I check got... mark next to it. 
What'd you go to school for? I got degree. I got degree. <laughs> uh, from City College. Yeah, so about a year and a half at uh, regular community college, I decided I wanted to try uh, more the the artistic role, I guess, and went to a separate community college that has more of a focus on like arts, cooking, and music type stuff. Uh, I went to Schoolcraft for another year and a half until I realized half the program or half the classes I was taking that I was told would enroll me in the program didn't actually apply. So I got a little uh, disheartened in that. It seems like an oversight. Like, hey, pay us all this money so you can get this degree. And then you take all of that money, you give it to them, you take all those courses, pass those courses, and they say, yeah, nah, just kidding. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to take these courses instead. Yep. So then I went back to Oakland Community College and found that my uh, credits were not going to transfer. And I don't know if that was a mistake that I was making or if it was the counselor was wrong on stuff or if it just didn't apply uh, going back to a different school. I've seen like um, a lot of community colleges don't accept other community college stuff if it's in like a very like if we joked, but if it's not like liberal arts, if it's like not gen ed, they're like mm-hmm. nah, because they have exactly. their own specific programs. Because community colleges have, I, I would say, laxed when it comes to like standards. Yeah, and I think Schoolcraft has very specific labeling of how their uh, credits are set up, so it it just probably didn't apply towards whatever the equivalent was at OCC. Right. So, Whereas, like, labor, um, schoolcraft is like a labor school. Like, it has all those trade groups. So, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that that's the kind of thing that you were dealing with there. So, so you essentially, it was a forced pivot. Do you enjoy what you do now? I do enjoy what I do now. There's certain aspects of it that get frustrating for sure, as is with I would say most any job. But, but yeah, I do enjoy what I do. Um, I. Went back to OCC, tried to do business. I stopped and basically continued just working as a lifeguard and then loading trucks for UPS for a few years before I started in uh, networking, which I just happened to get a job through a a family friend that been working in the business and she needed people to apply. So I did, got the job as a very low level entry uh, tech, basically just answering the phone and escalating it up. And then from there, kind of moved on to a management role, uh, more trainer, slight management, and then didn't like being the uh, management level um, type employee where I have to tell other people what to do. <laughs> you're not a people leader. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I more so would like to just take the workload off of the people that kind of worked beneath me. So I would end up doing more work than I was supposed to. So I just went back to the normal tech support role and moved up to the networking team. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. And I enjoy it. It's a lot of work right now, but it's uh, fulfilling when you get to resolve issues for sure. Right. I mean, uh, we have almost the exact same career pathway. Like We both had our, our you know, the weird, uh, you know, hiccups there but you know entry level call center type stuff working up to management and that's where our our path kind of divides is you decided to specialize and keep going whereas and i said no just put me in charge of people i don't want to do stuff (laughs) 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 i still have to do some things but mostly i tell other people what to do um and i'm telling you you made the wrong career choice right now i just gotta tell you it's so much better when 
Joe Schmo above you says, hey, listen, man, get this done. And you say, yes, sir. And you get to say that same thing to seven people below you and just cross your fingers and hope they do it. That's way better. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I just felt like I was answering the same questions constantly. Yeah, that's just... a personal problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's something you kind of run into with the call center, right? Like not saying that like there are lots of smart people that work at call centers, but you also do work with some entry level people. You know, they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily tech savvy or super into the job they're doing, you know, because a call center is an entry level job. You don't always work with people that that's their passion, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's half the people you talk to know what they're doing um, from like a client perspective. And then the other half are considered the IT expert at their gmail (laughs) at their yeah well they're the it expert at their uh their job but they're actually just a salesperson right they're just considered the it expert because they put a computer in their grandma's house and taught their grandma how to log on i mean how many jobs have you had where you were the it in quotations person because you understood what computers were i mean every job i had leading up to my corporate position even the lower rungs of the corporate position i would get calls instead of them going to it because i was right there and i understood which cord was the hdmi cord and which one was the VGA, which is not a hard thing, but <laughs> but they, they tend to like make that guess. And I guess that's uh you're much more patient with that, being able to continue to do that. Uh, I commend you every single day when you call me and you tell me these like issues that you've had with your clients or a problem you had to solve. I, I, I would have given up. <laughs> like I, I would have well, taken a step back. In particular, I had one problem today that I dealt with for probably about four hours. And it all came down to the fact that uh, the IT guy for the location was just not providing a, a specific piece of information that would have resolved the case two days ago. Right, right. Like, oh, man, did I not tell you that it wasn't plugged in? I didn't know that that was necessary. Right. <laughs> so. How many calls like that do you get a day? Like, like somehow through either ignorance or or laziness get escalated to you by accident. And the answer is, that, sir, there's no such, such thing as a left-handed computer. You can just click on it with your other hand. Like how many how many of those do you get? Like I used to get calls like when I worked at the call center, like I can't get the foot pedal to work. And I was like, sure, sir, there should be no foot pedal at your station. <laughs> like there's a keyboard and a mouse. You don't don't use your feet at all. How many types of calls do you get like that? Um, I would say as of late, like the past year or so, it's been maybe like one to two a day. And oh, some of them are a little bit more advanced than others, but yeah, I can hear people past, like say, don't like, listen to calls or don't like work at call centers. They're like, oh, one to two. That sounds right. And you're like a day. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are quick and easy to resolve. And the others, it's just you're sitting there just pulling teeth trying to get the right information. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, working at a call center, people are mad that they have to call you. So it never starts off in, like, in a good relationship. Like they, they act like it's your fault because they're frustrated and usually embarrassed. That's the thing mm-hmm. that I always got is that they're embarrassed that they can't solve it themselves, even though that's your job. You know, you, it, you're not mad for having to do your job. But when they treat you poorly, that's where you start to get angry about your job. Yeah, and it's always the people that know enough to be dangerous that like know three or four aspects about a particular uh, technical thing. And so they basically tell you what you need to do when it's not right. Right. It's like, if that's what I needed to do, why didn't you do it? Why are you calling me? Like, right. uh, that, that's the issue. And, and again, it, they know enough to be dangerous is the best way to put it. <laughs> those, those are the most frustrating calls. You're like, listen, man, I just need you to restart it. And I go, sir. 
can't restart your blender. That's not quite how it works. Uh, you can you can unplug it and plug it back in. I can I you know I used to get frustrated with my colleagues because they would just remote into the computer and do whatever simple task needed to be done instead of teaching the user how to do it. And eventually, after doing it for a few years, I was like, you know what? Just let me remote in, dude. Like I I can't explain to you what a computer is right now. I'm just not feeling it today. Yeah. One thing that's funny about being in the IT field is thinking about how everything's progressing in a manner of every type of item that has like power to it is yeah. eventually going to be able to communicate online. And we're at the point where like any kitchen appliance can basically do that, or there's a level of those appliances that can do that. Yeah, and, we joked about blenders, but that's a real thing. Oh yeah, there, there's a level of security that's needed with those things that you wouldn't think about because it's a blender, it's a toaster, but someone could hack into your toaster. It's funny to say and funny to think about, but that <laughs> but could true. literally happen. And like, isn't that a whole arc on Silicon Valley is they hack and store stuff on people's fridges? I didn't watch Silicon Valley enough to. Oh, I mean, you should. It's a good show. You should watch it. But I'm pretty sure that's an entire thing. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's impossible. And people in the tech industry are like, that's not impossible at all. Like anything you can give a voice command to like, like there's so many smart appliances or it's like Siri, start my blender or whatever. And like, okay, that means that blender can hear you, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of the it's all connected. And people, I think, kind of uh, miss that part. Now, when it comes to network security, I know you're you're in a very specialized field and we won't go into who you work for or anything like that. But do you have any weird things like that when it comes to security? Is it just a black box that that houses everything? Or do you get weird things like, hey, we have four series in the office. Are they protected? And It's a little bit of both. So you get ranging uh, levels of a location that just has... Uh, their normal internet modem we manage a firewall and that's literally it it's basic a little bit of web filtering a little bit of security and they don't do a whole lot so it's simple as that and then there's different corporate networks where they'll have like six firewalls at like two different locations that um, might be like failover like secondary devices just in case one goes down and they've got like 15 different other pieces of network equipment switches and uh, access points and different threat detection devices and uh, <laughs> and it gets crazy down to the level of like monitoring specific communi- uh, computer connections so higher than a antivirus level but very specific like we can monitor literally every file on your computer and block things from opening on your computer just based on a, and that gets more to the security side that I don't deal with as much. That's um, ridiculous. That's like, yeah, that's like the level, like when you work at a place and they're like, you're not allowed to open this folder. I'm like, okay, then why right. is it on my terminal or whatever? Like I, that, yeah. that, when I hear that stuff, I'm like, I understand that people do it and that's cool that you can do it. I'm like, but that that's just seems like a waste of your time. You know, you, mm-hmm. you work with a very talented group of people and that's a thing that you have to do. <laughs> It right. seems silly to me, but well, the point is to think about it from like an antivirus perspective. So, like, if you downloaded something or went to a site that happened to download something on your computer, like antivirus will often detect that and block it from being used. Where with like the services that we use and um, often get into, we'll be able to dig into a file path and like look deep into like the specific hash of the file. And I know probably 90% of the people that would listen to this have no idea what half of that means. 
but it just i mean just thinking about that aspect like we can get that deep into just the file path on the computer to determine okay well this is going to be a common issue we're going to see across the board we can submit that to the system that we use and basically can block any of those specific file paths across all the devices we manage too well, so let's bring it down a little bit for for the people at home that don't know what a lot of that means. So essentially, you can touch like I from a hacking perspective. I hate the word hacking; it's not really a real thing. Um, but let's say you had access to my computer, which is not impossible to get. I have a Gmail. I have a Windows computer. That basically means anybody with the right information can operate my computer. How how deep could you mess my, up my computer? What could you get from me? If you were able to get the right information, could you steal all of my browser information? Could you get my credit card? Could you get my IP address? I know the answer is yes, but (laughs) yeah, all that information is oftentimes encrypted. So it's a lot harder to get into, but there's ways to decrypt that information. The less secure you are, the easier it is to get in, obviously. And then one of the big things that happens with a lot of companies that they realize after it happens and it's too little too late. Uh, like, they send me that letter saying, hey, we were compromised. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's of the mindset. They realize how expensive it is for a top level security system and team to manage the network and systems. But once their equipment is compromised, someone has access to it, locks you out of it and is basically telling you to pay them upwards of like 500000 to like $3 million to get access to your equipment. Half the time, once if you don't have that security, you're going to end up paying for that uh, access back to your information. And really? So that, like they ransom it? Yeah, it's all ransomed. And ha- sometimes they just take the money and run. Sometimes they do provide the information back, but they still have access to that information. They duplicated uh, like critical uh like secret information about your company that they can then sell to competitors or whatever the case is and that ends up being such a more uh a bigger issue when it comes so, to this like, is a real thing that, that they pirate it like this is this is a real issue i mean i've heard it like my great aunt dorothy gets a call and she gives somebody ten dollars every time they lock her out of her iphone mm-hmm. but like this is a thing that corporations do and we just don't hear about it um, you don't hear about it because you don't know where to look for it. Okay, really but it's part of the issue. And that's one of the things that I, uh, one of the things our company's trying to do more and more is um, make that information more available. So, and again, you also have to kind of be looking for it too. So right. uh, clients that we have, like we provide like newsletters of different threats that are out there and ways that you can prevent that stuff that our analytics team will um, always be updating and seeking out further information and things that we find from our perspective as well. And so that's one of the things about having different security companies manage your network is uh, with that, oftentimes you'll get information about different threats that you can then be aware of and know how to um, react to them. Okay, so I have I have well, a big question. I don't know if you have the answer for it, but can you give me one of these cases where a large corporation was essentially held ra- ransom? It might not have been a large corporation, but a corporation nonetheless was held for ransom for a lot of money. Can you give me a specific? I don't have any specific examples from my workplace. Like I've seen it oh, happen. Oh, you, and I, yeah, nothing from your workplace. Nothing that you can get in trouble for telling me well, about. But anything no, like nothing that. Nothing of that Google? nature, but like different clients that we've worked and have taken on after the fact. I know it's happened and I can't think of any specific examples, but okay, I know okay. um, my wife's dad's company that had happened to. 
And oh my God. I, I don't remember if they ended up paying for the information back. Um, I, I think that's what ended up happening. Um, but they, they are like a large or a, a small manufacturing company that builds heavy machinery for different things like medical equipment and things like that. So, right. so it's, it's pretty big though, that it would they're, happen. They're million dollar machines that, uh, people across the world will buy companies for things uh, right, building, exactly. like uh, prosthetics and things like that. So, yeah, so like that's that's big money and that's big corporation that can be held hostage essentially. Yeah, I've never really heard about that. Again, I hear about all the scams or like, hey, we'll unlock your iPhone for this much money. But uh, interesting that that these large corporations and they probably don't advertise it because that makes them seem less secure um in a lot of ways so they won't really talk about it that's really interesting to hear I, again i just <laughs> kind of blew my mind a little bit I'm like i didn't know that um can you give me what are some of the most insecure things that people do online not just you know oh, i don't use a password on facebook but like what's an app that is just so dangerous other than zoom since everyone heard about zoom give me some things that people don't know are dangerous um i mean almost every app out there has had uh security breaches uh really yeah like uh discord was one of the big ones for a couple months that had some um security breaches and uh just information that was getting pulled from people's accounts and it's weird to think that um like a, a an app for communication for generally gaming but it's used for more than just that uh, right. i feel more as of late but it would um, basically break into your uh, computer and oftentimes pull information from file paths from it within your computer as well. That was one of the things that um, one of our systems uh, was detecting once that uh, security threat became um, well known. And so a lot of uh, clients that had Discord installed on their computers, it was unusable because we had a block in place for that program until that threat was essentially mitigated overall. That took a um, while Nintendo, too. Like, I remember Nintendo that was a, a big, big deal. one. A few different times in the past year, they had some security breaches where accounts were hacked. Um, yeah, I, I one did of my hear work about that colleagues one. actually had his account hacked, and I think three hundred dollars were spent on his account before oh he God. realized it. And that money was eventually refunded. But um, yeah, it's it's just crazy to think about those things, and it's happening a lot more and more lately. Uh, quarantine uh, with coronavirus has been a big um, push for uh, just overall security. There's a lot of phishing that's been going around ever since quarantine happened. Well, just all the all the VPN. I mean, obviously, like phishing is a big deal because more people are using the internet that aren't used to it. They're not versed in the scams and the different mm -hmm. things that can get you in trouble. But also, just everybody's working from home. You know, me yeah. and you both work for large corporations, and we're on VPN with with sensitive, you know, information. Uh, some like the best VPN, obviously you work for a security company. I work for a very large company. Like it's things that are generally protected, but I see a lots of smaller companies trying to use VPNs and they're not always configured properly. And, you know, tiny data breaches are bound to happen every day. And uh, it's just interesting to hear, I guess, how dangerous it is. Not trying to be doom and gloom and say, hey, everybody, you need to cut off from the grid, put on a tinfoil hat and break your SIM card. But <laughs> it, it is kind of scary. So real quick, let's bring it down another level. Um, <laughs> I, I want to play two games with you. Um, 
Uh, games is a strong word. I, I The first one is a game, Jimmy Fallon style, <laughs> something silly. I'm going to ask you an item, and you tell me if it's safe from hacking or not. Um, the next one, though, I just want to hear some of your worst call center nightmares. Give me two or three of your worst client calls, if you can. Um, let's see. One of them actually happened recently, and it was uh, for one of our bigger clients that we had. I had gotten the call. Uh, it was overall a generally pretty easy task, but just going through a long day and with our workload as of late, it's just been a uh, stressful uh, overall process. But gotcha. I basically got the call with one of our high-level clients, uh, went through, was provided the information needed to uh, do the configuration. I set it up and everything looked correct, but it wasn't quite working. There was one small detail that was missing. So I basically tore it all down, reconfigured, and it was basically setting up a site-to-site VPN uh, okay. between two locations. And it was a simple thing. It's just the the network that they have is a little bit overwhelming. There's a lot to it. Um, so once I tore it back down, I tried to build it back up, started getting more in my head. And that's one of the things when you sit on an issue for long enough working on the phone, it gets a little bit, there's time constraints involved, uh, frustrations when things aren't working, you kind of miss certain details the further along you get and kind of skip steps. And I almost had a mental breakdown from it just because I had kind of lost what I was doing and Jeez. passed it on to my next level engineer. and. Basically, he put in like two slight adjustments, which fixed it. And it was stuff that I had done many times in the past. But it's just that type of thing when you're uh, you you get through a long day and just something simple comes across and just doesn't work properly. And it kind of breaks you down. Um, That was one of the uh, more recent times. And then uh, early on, when I actually started with the company, um, we were uh, I was basically my first day on the job, really, when I started taking phones, phone calls, uh, the system that we managed for this client went down. And so we were getting probably like close to a thousand calls that day. And that issue lasted about three to five days, I believe. But that first day I answered probably like 160 calls and it was just really taking the information. But for me, it was one of my first week on the job, first time answering the phones and to me, that seemed like it was to be considered the norm. So I felt like I wasn't <laughs> going to last very long just dealing with it. Um, but I mean, honestly, after that week, it slowed down. But literally just taking 160 calls, just telling people as simple as it is, like, yeah, the system's down. It's being worked on. Uh, we'll reach out or you'll get an email once everything's back to normal. But yeah, that was well, it's... my break into the uh, <laughs> the field. And it was a little bit overwhelming, but what's funny is we actually so we work at at like connected places and i was at a call center at the same time as you during that outage um that was also affected and uh it's funny that you work on the security side of it there was a breach during that and i was dealing on the other side of it where essentially i was trying to track down the people responsible for getting everything back up and somebody took advantage of that breach in brazil for a different wing of the company i work for and on the brazil site they just put up porn on every single page you can get to. And the way they were routing it, you couldn't just like block the site. They were like block, they were putting it on like, is, oh, yep. <laughs> okay, so all the networks are down, right? And they use the breach to put up porn on all of the websites in Brazil for this company. And instead of just like blocking one site, they use the, the breach to get into all the weird like 
tributary website. So it's not just like the main one. It's like every single one that branches off. And the way that this website was laid out, it wasn't just, okay, you click on this link and it takes it to a subset of this website. They were actually separate websites, each one with a different page of Pornhub. <laughs> just streaming. It was, it was like automatically streaming the porn. It was just on there. It wasn't just like the homepage. Like porn was playing on all of these pages. And that went on for a good seven hours. So I apologize if you got any calls about that. Uh, I don't know if it if it tri- like if it actually trickled down to you that way. You weren't really related to the Brazilian call desk, but uh, it was still an unfortunate night for everyone involved. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that was uh, an interesting night for some and a frustrating night for others. <laughs> I, it was it was fun for me. So like I worked when I worked at the call center, um, we had two stations because I got a promotion early on. And I went from working as a call center agent, they called you, you know, you worked, you were an agent, you know, you answered the phone, essentially, you know, you were IT, people called, you reset their computer, everything worked fine. Um, I got a promotion to work the command and control center. So it was uh, basically... If, if something actually broke down at this company, like a big serious issue, whether it was an application or, or manufacturing, anything like that, that's when I got the call and I found the person that fixed it. Other than that, I really didn't do much. I, I worked as like high level management for the call center. So if there wasn't an actual manager around, I would have to handle disputes or or like managerial duties for off hour stuff. I would return tickets and I would do some quality assurance, like listening to calls and make sure they're doing all of the script and crap like that. Uh, but occasionally I would get a call when something was down. But other than that, they paid me a lot of money to do very little. <laughs> I kind of sat around waiting for the phone to ring, hoping that it was an issue that I could find quickly. Uh, but I worked in this gigantic room that they paid millions of dollars for. And they had these gigantic screens up. And it was supposed to show like the health of the network and this issue's handling here. So we have this like map of the network up on these big images. But we really only needed one screen to show the map of the network and what was down. Everything else was blank most of the time. I mean, we usually put the weather channel up. And then there was that one time when porn was all over all the screens because we were trying to figure out which site was still up. <laughs> um, but most of the time we just use the weather channel. But every once in a while we would have these big wigs that would come and we needed to justify the fact that they paid for this room, right? Um, it's actually how I got the promotion is they paid me to fill a seat, basically like the Oscars. And they <laughs> one time there was a big wig coming to visit. So we needed to fill the screens up with stuff that mattered. And that's how I was paid to learn how to code because they put up my screen and I was just supposed to code things for a day <laughs> while this big wig was visiting. So you walk into this like essentially it's a call center with millions of dollars worth of, worth of video equipment and gigantic screens up. And if you look at some of the screens, it was like networking or or like our, our stock prices, stuff like that. And then on one screen, it was just me coding very poorly <laughs> in SQL. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's IT life for you. Well, it's funny because like in general, I would say 80 percent of like call centers like that where they have like more than just like two dashboards up like right. the rest of those are just for the face value when clients come in for like for a tour sure. or like uh potential clients we come in for um just like a, a view of kind of the internals of the the teams and whatnot like there's always just one screen where you have like the the tickets and alerts that would come in or whatever that are actually useful and the rest of it is just other like random dashboards showing like random stuff that can be helpful at times but 90 percent of the time it's just for show right and you kind of wonder you're like what what's the i wouldn't say like necessarily what's the point like we know what the point is 
but also <laughs> it's it's funny how much of it is just like trying to keep the status quo just trying to keep the facade up of look it all needs to cost us much i would say that you you work on at a company that you know kind of spends their money a little bit more wisely for the for the small amount of time that i worked there and visited you and stuff i'm like oh look at you don't need gigantic screens everywhere you need one person with an iphone that goes off if something breaks that is right. what you need. <laughs> and you have you have one computer monitor. It's even it's a CRT monitor. It's a box and it just shows the network. <laughs> uh, I remember when you when they did upgrade the TVs and instead of throwing them out, you were like, "I'm going to take these home. <laughs> I'm going to take these flat screen TVs." <laughs> like we don't need like it's a waste if we're just going to throw them out, right? You wait for them to throw them out and then you take them. <laughs> right. Oh, that's true. True. You don't take nobody's them off liable for anything. No. <laughs> So I want to do a hard pivot. So we talked about where you're at now and we talked about how you, you were going for audio engineering. Where did where did it go into the game? Where where did it fall into place that you joined a very successful band? <laughs> uh, how did that work? So it's it's just it's kind of funny to think because uh, my dad actually is a physical therapist assistant. And okay. this is basically the origin of how I met and joined the band. He uh, he had a patient that actually was the um, the manager or quote unquote manager of the band. It was not fully formed yet, and whatnot. Um, the vocalist um, and my friend Andrew uh, was looking to get some guys to kind of work together on his project that he had been working on for. I think it was about ten years at the time that he had been writing music, kind of compiling things. He lived in uh, Texas his whole life and moved up to Detroit because the music scene in Detroit is so much larger than it is in Texas. And uh, being a more um, kind of modern indie type band, that's not the a really a big scene in Texas itself. Uh, so my dad mentioned me being a musician to the manager and basically she gave her, she gave my dad her info to pass on to me to reach out if I was interested. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really that interested at this time, but I'll reach <laughs> out just to kind of see what happens. You know, like life throws you some opportunities. You don't just pass them up. you kind of play with the idea and see where it takes you. If it's, not your thing you just kind of let it go i believe uh, i believe that's the saying you know when life gives you lemonade you think about if you like lemonade or not and maybe you'll try it later right yeah and you can't put it back <laughs> into a lemon after it turns <laughs> out uh, <clears throat> uh so i met up at mcdonald's with the manager kind of talking to her about some other opportunities the, that uh, she was the doing. manager of the mcdonald's the manager of the band <laughs> right Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> McDonald's manager. Uh, and so she was kind of giving me off some stuff that like she was working on side project stuff. And I was kind of listening like, yeah, it's kind of cool, but I'm here to kind of talk to the guy that's doing this whole band thing. So he shows up, kind of say hi, introduce, talk a little bit, not even five minutes. And then um, he was like, you want to go for a ride? We'll listen to the songs and, kind of just have a relaxing you know like drive and i'm like that's sounds interesting and i did it but it's a little <laughs> bit that's creepy a strange in a way interview. like you you meet someone and for like five minutes uh get to know like who who they are like as far as their name and kind of what they do and then you just get in the back of their car and just drive off you know back it's of not, their car 
Well, in the back seat. <laughs> you got in the back seat? You didn't get in the front? Oh, the manager was the in the manager front seat. The manager was in the passenger seat. Like, this so. story took a weird turn that I didn't know about. You know, he's like, ah, just get in the trunk. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we drove around the area, and she was kind of explaining the manager um, some of her other ventures and avenues that she had and kind of did some remodeling of houses in the area and just kind of going off on tangents with that while the music was playing and I'm listening to it and I dug the music and kind of got to, we got back to the parking lot of McDonald's later. And this was probably about a 45 minute drive total, just kind of talking and getting to know each other and told them that I was interested in the music and um, I'd be willing to show up for uh, an audition um, he had just had uh, a drummer and him as a guitarist and vocalist at the time. And so I showed up to audition for um, playing bass. Um, and uh, immediately after that, they both uh, members at the time were interested and said, hey, uh, come back next week. We'll do like a full practice and um, kind of get through the songs, practice these up. And basically from there, um, it was us three until we got a keyboardist to join too. And from there, we kind of grew um, as friends, learning songs together and um, kind of starting to write some different parts to some of the songs to uh, bring it to a more live standpoint because he had already had all these songs written. And so um, I guess before I get any further, the name of the band is called No Alarms. Uh, and at <laughs> this point... I'll, I'll toss that in at the beginning. Don't Don't you worry. Okay. Uh, at this point, um, we've been together as a band for it's been a few years now. Yeah, um, two, two-ish, two and a half. Yeah, I'd have to look back at my uh, Maybe three. messages that go back to the uh, inception of the band itself. But yeah, it goes back a few years now. And uh, we've gained a member, uh, lost that um member to just normal job constraints and different things of that nature um so at the moment uh or up to this point we've played multiple shows in the detroit area we've actually toured uh through kind of the um <clears throat> the like from michigan through down south like tennessee uh kentucky um played up just below us in Ohio and Illinois, went to Milwaukee a couple of times, played some shows and had some really cool experiences on the road, actually played in um, New York City in Manhattan, which was a really cool experience. Uh, pretty small venue and not a lot of people there, but uh, yeah, so far up to this point, it's been a really fun um, ride being with the van with the band. Yeah, I, I was always impressed by it because, you know, you guys were not just like serious about it, but, you know, you guys have licensing deals like you've been on television, not your band itself, but your music has been on television. You know, you guys blow up every once in a while on Spotify. It's just uh, it's cool because normally when a friend tells me, oh, hey, I started a band, I go, oh, hey, that's cool. Who hasn't? And then you tell me this. And then like like a month later, you're like, hey, we're on this show. <laughs> like like it's a it's a legit thing. You know, you, you know, you, you tour and your music is good. I'm a fan of the music. Um <laughs> I guess was it surprising for you to join a band that immediately gets somewhat successful? Yeah, I mean it was <laughs> it was uh, exciting the entire time too, just because like I've been in a couple bands where like we were serious about it. You know, um, generally when you join a band, you're not 
um, thinking like, oh, this is going to blow up big <laughs> or even like to a midpoint or mediocre standpoint, like you think, oh, like my family and friends might go to shows that we have locally at some bars and stuff. Um, but aside from that, maybe a couple other random people say, hey, that was kind of fun. Like, uh, it was right. cool to listen to you guys. But we've got some people that have kind of traveled, I think, just like across the state border as the farthest that they've gone. But they've gone to most of the shows that we've done in Detroit, like a couple specific people that um, at this point, I would say like our number one fans, they've bought a piece of merch almost every time they've been to a show, too. But but yeah, I mean, at the moment, we're not doing a whole lot in the way of uh, um shows obviously due to the pandemic um, yeah see, no one really is i mean every once in a while you hear you hear people like reduce like 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 releasing their uh their extra eps or stuff or they've their, had saved up or uh, just they're at home like the two members of a band they write a single record it right. in their homes you know uh sort of deal um so we haven't even gotten together in quite a bit of time we've stayed connected obviously over um messaging and kind of pass some ideas back and forth and kind of planning the next phase um, moving forward, which is a little difficult because you can't really um, set up shows with venues at this moment. Uh, But we're excited to kind of move forward with the next steps and see kind of what happens going forward. So Um, how does that, how does that work with a band? You know, you, you lost a member recently um, we keep saying lost a member, like lost you can't a... find them. Like you know where you like a, a member of your band left the band. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Um. How do, how does that work with dealing with that? Does it uh, do you immediately adjust and go? Okay, now we're a three piece band, or now we're a four piece band. How does it work when you lose somebody? Do you go, hey, we're gonna backfill. We're gonna try to find somebody else that can play the play the parts while we're touring. See if they're into being in the band. How does that work? So at the moment, we just kind of. Uh deal with the members that we have we at the moment as far as i know um we haven't talked about it much lately but um as far as i know we have no plans to introduce any new members um moving forward until that need arises i guess um we do have backing tracks in our songs that kind of fill some space and things which i mean when you think about any big like um big league type uh musicians they all have backing tracks and things of that nature, yeah. um, which we've always had in general, just to kind of fill out the live show. Um, from that standpoint, it's almost hard to have a big live show without having um, those instruments, unless you've got like eight people on stage playing with you. Which um, which member did you lose? I, I guess I don't guitar. know. No, you you play okay, yeah. You you play guitar now, so that makes sense. Yeah. So actually, uh, to kind of segue into that, um, I was playing bass and uh, bass synth um, prior to our guitarist leaving. So right. bass synth was uh, at one point just me playing on a smaller keyboard, and evolved into me getting a keytar that I played live, which was. A lot of fun, but also you gave some... me two of the most like amazing moments when you told me that you joined this band. I laughed at you, but I was like, "You're a good musician, like better musician than I am." So like, I was excited for you. I was like, "Good luck with that, though." You know, because like I've been in bands, we've tried to mm-hmm. tour, it didn't go anywhere. Immediately, you're like, "We're going on tour," and I was like, "All right, all right, maybe it's a thing." But then you tell me, "Hey, man, I'm playing bass synth," and I get to laugh at you again. I get to go, "Ha ha!" <laughs> you told me it was a real band, and then I hear you play, and I'm like, 
damn it, that sounds really good. Okay, you got me. <laughs> but then you tell me I'm buying a keytar, and I was like, okay, there's no way you could look cool on stage with a keytar. And then you guys show up. It's the first time I had seen you play live. You know, I had heard lots of the music. Uh, you know, the first album, and then you guys got ready for the second album. Um, but then I saw you live, and you have the most impressive light show that I've ever seen. I've seen professional bands play at the Palace, and still, it was like so impressive. You had this huge LED light board because um people don't know your lead singer used to be uh is it an engineer what was he uh so he he's uh and i'm i'm trying to remember because he's uh, changed a couple uh companies and positions um he did a lot of like wind tunnel testing and stuff for um different uh vehicle manufacturers and things right very um, intelligent man though very intelligent uh, and creator all all around but you i haven't seen this super impressive led light wall i was like okay that's cool it's blinding it blinded me a little bit um that's really impressive and then i see you emerge this keytar and it by god that is the coolest thing i've seen (laughs) he's just like walk up um (laughs) so i have to apologize for laughing at you because it was dope but (laughs) but also you pulled it off so (laughs) It's funny, too, because like I'm sure anybody who's listening to this um, heard the word keytar and immediately thought like, okay, that's strange. Like, that's (laughs) something I haven't heard of since the 80s, you know, and that was kind of the the idea, too, is like at first when I when we talked about it, I I mentioned it as a joke and then it kind of became a thing. And I felt kind (laughs) of odd trying it out the first time just because it's like the idea of a keytar is just so ridiculous. (laughs) but it worked and especially because you i wouldn't say your music is electronic by any means it's you know it's very it's very indie rock mm-hmm. but you have an There's, electronic tint to it yeah and like some of our songs are more electronic than others and um one of the uh the songs we added a uh an intro to that's very electronic and very drums driven as well um, right which is just a blast to play live but, what what's uh, the name of your first single? Was it Reverse? Is that what it's called? Or so um, there, I'm trying to recall because there were two singles that were the ones we released initially. There was Right is What's Left. Is right is What's Left. That's of. what I'm thinking of. Thank and you. Then, and then Amateur Telephony is the other one that we recorded a music video for. And that one, that one is has way more of the indie vibe, but even that has a lot of electronic elements. So when you talk about having backing tracks and playing a guitar, it sounds silly. But then when you actually look at your music, I'm like, it's not, though, because so much of it is keyboard driven. And mm-hmm. that's not to downplay your your, you know, the, the two guitars you have on your tracks or the bass track. Like you do have also impressive instrumentals, but it's just the, also the idea that you tie in the electronics. It's not that weird when you start playing the guitar. It makes complete sense. You don't look yeah. like Chang from Community at all when you go up there. Oh, I love Chang with his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When you invited me to your show, and even though I heard the music and I was like, this is good. It's not bad. It's good. But I still kind of hoped for something like that when you said you were switching to guitar and you were like, come see the show. I was like, well, please let something like this happen. Please just well, have this look ridiculous. The other thing, too, is like I I play keyboard in the aspect that I know how to play it. Right. So. So like bass bass synth is like perfect for my skill level as far as playing keys. We have like our keyboardist is really the one playing the the synth solos and the synth um like riffs and different parts within the song. Right, but he can straight up play piano. If you put him in oh, front yeah. of a grand piano, he could he can play like I, I hate seeing like, real piano music because a like keyboard is a real piano. But he can play classical music. He can read you know the sheet music for a piano. Mm-hmm. So like that is a very different skill set than a bass synth. Yes. 
but and I played a little bit of uh, percussion in one of the songs as well, just with um, a, a, a drum pad which has like some electronic drum sounds and uh, a floor tom that kind of drove some of the the bass um, rhythm in one of the songs as well. Now I just play guitar, which <laughs> we. Which is needed for all the songs. Um, <laughs> like you make it sound like it's awesome. No, I just play guitar. It's only one of the coolest <laughs> instruments. Well, it's like, it's one instrument versus the three that I had previously played uh, with right. different songs. So. Do you, can you hear the galloping in the background? A little bit. My dog has uh, decided to go insane. My wife, I had asked her, I was like, can you just be quiet while I, I run the podcast? And she has, uh, she started a small mutiny in my living room. Are we, so are we having a mutiny? Yes, we we're having a mutiny. Okay. We're having a holiday in Cambodia. Um, it's just I want wild punk music playing in the background. Thank you, honey, for, for doing this. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want if you want to hear more of that kind of conversation, come check out I show my wife stuff on Wednesdays. <laughs> you can come yell at her in the comments. Okay, so I probably should have started with the band. Not that the tech stuff wasn't interesting, but the band stuff has always been interesting to me because, uh, you know, growing up in a small town, it was very punk driven. We had everyone was in a band. Everyone went on tour, but it was smaller tours. You know, like you, you toured, you know, from the, you know, northern Michigan to the UP and then you hit Wisconsin, Minnesota. You went down to Detroit for a few weeks. We all did that. And you did that same tour. You know, you did a lot of those same places, but then you went out of state. And you mentioned going to New York. What was that like playing a legit music venue in New York City? That had to have been the craziest thing ever. It was really cool. And not so much the venue itself, because the the venue we played at, it's a subsect of three different um, rooms. So they're they're separated even by a couple blocks uh, for one of the rooms, actually. Okay. And we played one of the smaller ones, which, um, I mean, we played a lot of venues that are tight. And in general, um, a little bit awkward to kind of fit because we were um, at our largest group, uh, a five piece band. So like fitting five people on a stage that's meant for really two people is difficult when you have a full (laughs) kit of drums. uh, You have a box that runs all of our sound. So we don't have any amps on stage or anything. We run it all through a computer um, that that has all of our sounds built into it. And um, both myself and uh, our vocalist that also plays guitar have our guitar pedals that um, drive our specific um, guitar sounds as well. But and then like you like kick us through the, the PA and, and stuff, right? Yeah, so that's that's all um, uh, signaled through the the venue's PA. Um, so the the experience in New York, and I had never been to New York previously. So the experience I feel for me and a lot of the um, members as a whole, I think, was just kind of walking through New York trying to park. A, uh, a 15 passenger van with a trailer attached to it on the streets of New York was <laughs> a feat in itself. <laughs> we got lucky. Fun. We got lucky, like just a couple blocks away from the venue that we were going to play at. Um, the there was a car pulling out of a parking spot that there was already a parking spot behind it. We just pulled so in right as they left, it? so we we just snuck right in, and we only had to pay for two hours of parking before it was free the rest of the night so i think we paid 40 bucks in all for parking and that was 
that still the, the, the cost, idea of paying for parking as I my know. little bumpkin brain explodes you know growing up in the, the in a tree and you tell me you went to new york city to play in a band like my when i would play my punk shows we were in front of someone's garage and it wasn't and i say in front of someone's garage not in someone's garage it wasn't a garage band there were car parts inside of the garage so we had to play in front of it <laughs> and you tell me that you play in new york city it's just the coolest thing to me it's just so yeah. awesome and I'm i'm so proud of you that you got to do that but then my other my my TV brain kicks in, and the fact that your your song was licensed to play on a television show is just somehow still cooler than that. Any normal person is like, oh, they played in New York, that's so cool. They went on tour. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. but they were on a TV sitcom too. <laughs> yeah, and it's I was funny just to think <laughs> like life just always happens to everybody in some aspect. So like, if up to this point, like it was the end of my music career, like I feel like I, um. I'm not necessarily satisfied because I would love to do more, but I would be satisfied with what I've done up to this point and kind of what we've accomplished just to say like, Hey, like our music was on uh, a couple TV shows and um, pitched for like some pretty big ones and different things. We were pitched for the um, most recent uh, season of stranger things that had already come out. And, right. And it's funny to think too, because Oftentimes when uh, a licensing company pitches your music to uh, commercials, TV shows, and movies, you don't actually hear about it until after it airs half the time or until the moment that it airs. Uh, So like trying to get that out to um, from like a social media standpoint and advertising that sort of thing is very difficult when it comes to um, those particular things. Unless you're a big band, um, that's not something that you're going to know about ahead of time. And which in general, like I am very proud of what we've done. And uh, overall, our vocalist, Andrew, um, he's put in 98% of the work when it comes to everything. And we've supported him all the way and um, been there for whatever else he's needed, but has fronted the cost on everything, um, the hard work and putting together a lot of the shows that he's kind of doled out tasks here and there, but he really deserves the credit for 90% of the work that's kind of gone through with this because it it started out as his project and he's really worked uh, to push everything through to where we've gotten to so far. That's really cool that you're willing to like to talk about that because so often, you know, in a band like egos get get a hold of it and it gets awkward with him. Originally, I know this was meant to be you were supposed to just be like a traveling band. You know, this he wrote all the music and play all the parts and you were just supposed to be there to play on stage or to help record. Um, how did that evolve into you straight up joining the band as an equal member? You know, you guys share in profits, you share in the hardships, you, you know, you all help write music. How did it change from that? How did that happen? Um, I think initially the idea on him was he didn't really know what um, he wanted like us to be. And I think his initial idea was like in general live performance um, type stuff to back him up um, in that aspect, just because you never know what you're going to get when you kind of dip into the pool of musicians in the world. Um, (laughs) And I think what he exists and go, I can be in your band. (laughs) I think what it, what it took was like going on some of these tours and like, going out to eat and different things and getting to know these guys and to become close friends with them is really what it took to kind of build us to what we are now. And it's, and it's funny to say like in general, most bands, uh, all the members generally are going to be pretty close. You're all, you're in close quarters all the time. Um, we've, we've slept in, um, plenty of motels, uh, slept in the van a couple times. Um, 
on tour and had some nice places that we've stayed at through some um, different rewards programs that we've gone through, like four star <laughs> hotels, just paying literally 60 bucks a night sometimes just because they had rooms available and we went through hot wire or whatever, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think what options are out there as far as like staying at places when you're <laughs> literally just secretly a hot wire commercial. <laughs> And it's funny, like you you laugh, but like if you were to try out Hotwire, there's stuff out there like four or five star hotels that you could stay at for like a hundred bucks a night. And like, yeah, it's it's not a lie. That's the like they've been showing that commercial for the past like twenty years, and we've always laughed when we heard it. But it's a serious thing. When you showed me the pictures of the places that you stayed, I was like, so so Andrew paid for all that, and you're like, no man, like <laughs> this was nothing. And and it's funny too because we stayed in some like crappy places too and including we, the van and the trailer that you rented yeah one of the hotels i think it was a hotel technically the show that we played <laughs> in by law i can call it some hotel some guy let us into this room you know <laughs> uh, we the show we played at new york we stayed at this hotel in jersey because staying in new york is crazy expensive we were right. gonna do that um the the tour itself had taken a toll on us financially anyways because being a no-name band traveling, uh, not straight up across the country, but like north-south for the most part. Pretty far. Like, it's thousands it's of miles. You're, you're driving a, a 94, I believe, Chevy Beauville van um, that, does, <laughs> that gets maybe like eight miles per gallon. You throw a trailer on the back, maybe four miles per gallon. <laughs> and uh, uh, gas gas costs at the time were not the cheapest either. And no, they so, were literally twice what they are right now. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were staying at this hotel in Jersey, and by the time we're like almost there, we're looking at the reviews for the first time. Who knows why? And this will look at reviews sooner in the future. Uh, <laughs> the the first review we see is a great place to take hot New York slam pieces is what was on there. <laughs> and then <laughs> so that that initially told us like okay so this is probably a little bit of a sketchy area to have like that terminology in general used which that gets thrown around the internet no i mean that's how i describe look, every but... hotel you know when me and my wife we stayed at the days Inn in alpena michigan we thought this is the great place to bring hot slam pieces and that's what we you know four stars would come again Yep. So we got there. I turned on the AC because it was hot and realized immediately that I didn't want the AC on because the mold smell that was in there was <laughs> fuming directly into the room, which you'd think wasn't too big of a deal because the door was cracked, probably not cracked. It was almost halfway open and it wouldn't open any further or shut. <laughs> it was like a balcony door. And That's how it is. That is the place where it stays. Yep. So... So there were those of us who had slept on the beds, one person on the floor. We didn't get under the sheets or anything. We just like threw blankets on top, laid on top of those, threw those blankets away after we I left. I was going to say you burned those after, right? Of course. Checked each other for like bed bugs or ticks or whatever, you know, and... Now, see, I mean, now you're getting into the stuff like that. That was my experience of being in a band is yeah. grooming each other like gorillas when we left. The show. Yeah, you know, just you get you get ticks sometimes. <laughs> you go get ticks. Like <laughs> I, I remember being having beer bottles thrown at us. And I remember the mistake of playing at a country western bar and playing mm. only covers of mid 2000s hip hop songs on ukuleles and that not going over well at all. 
and that is that is what I remember touring is <laughs> like. And then when you when you tell me these things, I'm like, at least there were some horror stories for you. At least it was. At least you didn't blow up. At least I'm not calling you from your mansion. No offense, I'm greedy. I don't want you to get super successful unless you need a manager, and then you take me with you. You know, um, <laughs> and you know, I'll make sure you spend all the right money. Uh, it is just I, I want you to know like, I'm super proud of you as you, you do this stuff, and it's so cool when it happens. And I know when I say super successful, people think like, oh my god, is he on like the next like Kanye album or something? Like that doesn't that's not super successful. That's mega impossible successful for a musician. The majority of musicians out there are mid level at best, and they get featured on somebody else's album, and they're on a soundtrack for a movie once or twice, and that's really that is how you work as a musician. So mm-hmm. the fact that you guys are working as musicians, then it's not costing you an arm and a leg, because for most people, like it costs money to be in a band, and, and the it, fact that you know you guys are able to do cost that us more right. than we've made. Like there's shows here and there where we've each made like a couple hundred bucks, but then that's gone when we do like the the tour and basically like you're buying all your food, you're bu- you're paying for gas, and um, like I said, uh, Andrew fronts pretty much all the costs there, and any of the money made will generally go to um, recoup his uh, funds that were spent on that, and so like you just think about it, like we don't. I mean, we could pack lunches and whatnot, but part of the experience is also like going out to eat at some of these places that aren't in your hometown. And um, some of these like cool, like we, every place we ate at in New York was just phenomenal. Just like different places, some pizza. And we went to a vegan place, which all of us, except for our drummer, because he is vegan, uh, (laughs) were a little bit leery about, but we, we loved it. Like the food was delicious and like they know what they're doing there. And so, like, we're spending each probably, like, hundreds of dollars at some of these, not individual places, but, like, when you think breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like, we go to Waffle House, like, six times throughout the tour, so it's not super expensive, but our bodies definitely take a toll from it. Right. Waffle it's House, an experience you when you yourself go. on maybe once every six months. <laughs> well, what do they say about Denny's? It's not a place you go. It's a place you end up at. Yeah, (laughs) but just like the fact that you got to do that is really, really cool. I know like and I I joke about the measure of your success, like showing up on a TV show was a big deal for me. But the other one was when you were touring and you got to go to an arcade that had a killer queen machine, which, Uh, you know, now that was a big game. But that was actually we went to uh, record the music video that was in Columbus, Ohio. Right. And there's only like two in every state. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of those machines available a lot of places. And I was like, when you sent me that text, like to anybody else, it's a normal like, oh, hey, like I got oh, you, to go you, you play this arcade, arcade, arcade you know? game. Exactly. <laughs> to me, I was like, oh, my God, he made it. Like, look at him <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> You haven't made Killer it as Queen. a band until you've played Killer Queen on a on a original machine that was <laughs> yeah, in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Next step, Akron. It's gonna be so big. <laughs> yep. Oh, but that that is just so awesome. So, a couple quick questions for you: What's happening next with No Alarms? Are you, I know you guys are on a little bit of our. Are you guys thinking about music? Are you writing music? Um what what's next for for so the the next step for us definitely writing music um we're we're in the process of figuring out whether it's going to be like another ep or we're going to consolidate to um like a uh like a 10 song lp or something along those lines um we're we're going to get together hopefully soon to try to hash out like a a game plan as far as where we want to go for the next um 
group of shows that we're going to play and um, probably still stay within like the general Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, um, maybe Milwaukee again. There's some cool places in the Milwaukee area to play. Um, and basically from there, just kind of figure out what's next. Um, a lot of times things just kind of come at you that you weren't expecting. And right. the majority of it, you kind of have to push your way in and um, try to weasel your way in with other bands too, because the venues aren't looking for bands. You're looking for the venues and uh, basically have to kind of put together a bill half the time. So right. from our perspective, we're reaching out to bands that are within the area to be like the, um, like feature artists, because obviously they're going to be the ones that have the pull in those areas. Um, for the most part, like if we're going to play in Detroit, we're going to play with some other Detroit artists and maybe someone from like the Ohio, Illinois area that comes up. And, um, generally you want that local band to be the feature artist. And then you try to pull some of those fans off of them, um, based on playing well and, uh, kind of getting your music out there. And hopefully they like that as well. Um, and then the next thing that's kind of coming up as far as a merch perspective, um, we do vinyl on our music and our second album is, uh, I believe we just got the, the press done and approval, um, that it like the sound quality and everything. So the, the pressing should be you know, finishing up and, um, I don't know the exact time frame, but we've got to get them uh, shipped to us and then we should be able to start selling and shipping those out. Um, so where can people get some of that merch in the vinyl? Um, so the direct um, store is going to be through um, noalarmsmusic.com. All right. Um, I'll put a link in the description. Forward slash store. But all the links <laughs> are on the main page and easy enough to navigate. Um, <laughs> but uh, we can also be found Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, at noalarmsmusic. And what is the licensing company? If somebody, if they like your music, you know, Google no alarms, listen to it, love it, use it on your projects. Where, where can people go and pay money to get you on another TV show or whatever? Um, Spotify is going to be the the main source, but we're on Apple Music, uh, on um, on Google Play, um, on YouTube, YouTube Music, really all the 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 music um, streaming platforms were out right. there. How do you got, how do you get it licensed? How do like what what's the licensing company? Um, it's all uh, in house licensed. So Andrew's the one. That, oh, okay. Uh, so it's right in. So like, if they can reach out to the band through all those normal channels, right? So we we have uh, just a couple licensing companies that we kind of bounce around between, and it adjusts all the time just because uh you pay a certain amount almost like a subscription sometimes but um for like a certain period of time where they'll pitch your music and then um if they do a good job you kind of work with them again otherwise uh, you kind of move on to the next um, i gotcha it's it's kind of funny nowadays it's really you can't really stick with one thing as far as like advertising licensing and different things like it changes on almost a week-to-week basis probably closer so to you can't just month. like put it up there and just cross it like in the old youtube days you put it up on youtube you walk yeah. away and make your money like one month facebook's the place to be um cost wise for advertising or like they have a new platform for advertising so you try that out the next thing is going to be instagram you know that's where you try to get your pull and then next thing you know tiktok's the place to be and we've utilized tiktok a little bit and um, had some really great content creators um, use our music in some really creative ways too um, which is interesting to see 
at the very least not being an avid like TikTok user. Um, I've seen I use it mostly for comedy aspects of like funny different clips and videos and whatnot. But like to see the way that like dancers and like different comedians on TikTok will utilize music is just an interesting aspect in today's day and age. It's awesome and it's entertaining, but man, does it make me feel like a dinosaur? I'm not even that old. Like when people hear the podcast, I I just did an interview and somebody asked her like, "So what's it like turning 40?" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm 27. Like I'm not that old, but I know. But like, but when I see things like TikTok, I'm like, no, I am ancient. I am 40. You know, I take mm-hmm. it back. Like because when I see the kids and what they do, and like the fact that I go on the kids, so I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't understand it. It's like when Vine came out. And even like the fact that I remember Vine shows my age, like, oh, he is 100. Uh, but when, when people do TikTok, I'm like, oh, I, d- I don't get it. So I find stuff that uses your music or, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, which is the only two bands I know. Yeah, <laughs> Those are the only two musical artists I have on my what's, iPod or my Zoom. Funny, I think it was in Chicago we played a show. It was Chicago. And Taylor Swift was playing at the... Uh, the bears um arena i don't i don't know i don't know the name of the bears called, arena but, but i know what you're talking about she was playing there and so we were driving through like the city and like the traffic was backed up like crazy but we were playing at like a small venue and we we're like if there's not enough a bunch of people here we're gonna blame it on taylor swift because she was <laughs> playing a show the same night that we are but yeah a lot of overlap in your in your audience other than me we were thinking about like rolling the windows down and yelling at people saying, Hey, don't go to this show. Come to our show. But I don't know how well yelling at people outside of like a, a big white conversion van goes. No, no. And in general in Chicago, you know, it's very <laughs> safe to just yell at people. Oh yeah. It's not one of the highest rates of, of murder and violence in the entire country next to Baltimore at all. You know, oh, by the way, it's soldier field. <laughs> that that's right. Yeah, so when you're outside of Soldier Field, feel free to yell at people from a white van telling them to listen to No Alarms. You, they can check out uh, the, the self-titled album or Deja View, which gets me every time. Every time mm-hmm. I try to Google it, it goes, did you look, mean? And I go, no, I didn't mean that. Look back at what's looking back at you, I believe, is like the tagline for that. For Deja View? Yes. Okay, and you can check out the singles like Bad Advice, Right is What's Left, Amateur, Telephony. The, the list landing. goes on. The landing. How come I that one just, doesn't pop up just on Google? List all the songs. Yeah, just just start reading off all. You know what? Why don't we just play the entire album? <laughs> <laughs> we can do that, right? Um, so, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all the horror stories of call centers, as well as being in a band in a van in New York City. Um, since you guys don't have anything coming up, is there anywhere specifically you want people to focus? Should I send them all to Spotify? Where where should people go to get all of your stuff? Just write to noalarms.com? I would say Spotify. Uh, check us out. Give us a listen if you're interested. If you want to look at our merch, it's expanded quite a bit. We've got a quite a few different um, t-shirts. Uh, we have a sweatshirt now, like a, a, a hoodie. Um, uh, like I said, we've got vinyl CDs. Um, new vinyl should be hitting the you still soon. don't have a slouch beanie though. That's what I need. I will buy all the slouch beanies if you guys put one out. I will look into that. You, yeah, I'm telling you, you need you, like if you don't if you don't get the slouch beanies, you're missing out. I mean, that's what I twenty seven to so. exactly the twenty seven to thirty year old nerd who watched a lot or you know played a lot of Zelda and read a lot of Scott Pilgrim. You know I mean, that that scene. What do you put in the back of your slouch beanie? 
What do I put in the back of my slouch beanie? Yeah, before you put it on. Like, what do you store in there? I <laughs> Is that a thing that people do? That's genius. I, I have to say, like, I don't do anything, but now I'm going to put a hacky sack in there to really complete the look. <laughs> it's just something I think about when I see them. Like, it's a normal thing. I, I wear them all the time, too. But when you see just, like, the, the sagging back portion of that beanie, it's like, what do they have in there? <laughs> That's so genius. I want to know because I wear them year round. I get a lot of slack for it. I, like people, people give me a lot of gruff because like it's summer and I'm wearing a beanie right now. It's hot in my apartment. I got one on, but I've never put anything in there. I wonder if that's what people are thinking when they're <laughs> judging me for it. They're like, what's he keep it in there? Like, is that weed? Like, what's what's in there? Is that where he keeps his gold? Like, what? <laughs> that's genius. I am going to start putting stuff in there, though. <laughs> Uh, well, I can do my plugs real quick. Check out all of our other podcasts. Jordan is on Aiming for Mediocrity, and that premieres every single Friday. So go look at that. We have Persons of No Consequence, which premieres usually twice a month, but every once in a while more, more likely less with all of the COVID stuff. We took a little bit of a hiatus during all of the Black Lives Matters riots. Um, Black lives still matter, though, even though we're not on break, like it didn't go away just as an FYI. Don't let it don't let it die. (laughs) It's still happening. We just also have to create content and sell ourselves, you know, to the man. So don't forget. Uh, Jordan, you have anything else to plug? Um, No, I think that's it. Thank you so much for having me on and hope to possibly be back on again soon if things uh, go even bigger. Oh, for sure. If it gets bigger, more for sure. If it gets smaller. <laughs> well, because... you'll have to start a new one called uh, Persons of Some Consequence. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. You know what? I didn't realize. Did I break the rule? Do you guys have a Wikipedia page? I don't think so. Oh, thank God. Man, that's the one rule I have for this show is that you can't have a Wikipedia page. You one, know, one way to find out. And then, you know, people reached out before me. If it's there. People reach out before you, you know, they were like, Kanye wants to do the show. And I was like, I can't, guys. He's got a Wikipedia page. So I, that's when I called you. I was like, no alarms. We got to get them on here because, you know, no Wikipedia page. I just want to make sure they're not wrong. Before yeah, we the, sign off, let me do yeah. a quick check. Yeah, the only thing that comes up when I search it on Wikipedia itself is Noah Armstrong and Neil Armstrong. So well, I, I mean, good. you're right next to those two. Like when I think when I think of alarms and things that say no, I think of Neil Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then no alarms right there right next to each other uh all right buddy i'll talk to you later thank you so much no problem thank you all right peace bud